0: Welcome to Trev Talks, <laughs> a podcast in which Trev talks. I'm your host, Trevor Laird, and I'm along with...
1: Will Bendure or Bill Bendour, depending on how much you respect me and my brand.
0: Which one's uh, the more respected one?
1: Well, I many know about Bill Bendour and the inner circles. So if you're my friend, you probably call me Will. But if you own one of my many books or CD tapes you'll know me as well. (laughs) Yeah?
0: How's your book? How's your book? That's the
1: other... Well, one of the things I was thinking about when I was coming here, obviously since this is the third episode and I was the first episode, like, um, I haven't really gotten a lot written of the book. Like, I've written quite a bit. Um, I'm kind of confused on where I want to go with it, what I want to talk about. And... I was thinking about how sometimes in life you just get stuck in a rut. Mm -hmm. And I feel like summer's for teenagers. Like you go into summer with all these plans and all these things you want to do. And then it's like start waking up at 10 a.m. every day, tired, not getting too much activity. And it's just like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really easy for the days to just go by without you accomplishing some goals. I agree. And that's one of them. So obviously not giving up on it. But I've just sort of neglected it. And granted, I have had a lot of fun this summer. I've done a lot of things. Um, uh, but it's, you know, it's not for nothing. But at the same time, it comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: No, I'm, I'm with you on that, um, you know, times for, for the teens, you know. Because I, I had plans to make a movie this summer. And I had it all mapped out. I had the script all done. I was ready to, like, start rolling. Um, And then I didn't realize that, you know, people have lives outside of summer. So, like, people... How many kids did you want to
1: get into that movie? Like, (sighs) I mean, if you were trying to get 20 kids, I mean, you don't need 20 kids for each scene. mm -hmm. But, I mean, still, that's a huge scheduling. Um, Well, I have, like, eight people in the main cast, right? mm -hmm. So
0: people that recur are recurring. And um, I had about like 55 extras. Wow. And that's just because, like, the school scenes, you don't want to mm-hmm. see like the same three people walking back and forth. Yeah. So I was like, I'll contract as many people as I can to go do that. And, then, you know, it was a good idea at the time.
1: Where are you going to film
0: at? I was going to film at Liberty North High School um, just because it's free, you know, mm-hmm. it's open. And then all the other scenes I wrote so you can, like, you know, do it um, without having to pay anything crazy. So, like, I I wrote, like, a volleyball scene. I wrote a diner scene. So I can go to, like, you know, the, like, a volleyball place. Yeah. And then, or, like, Steak and Shake and then go
1: record there. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it was about a learning experience and you still have the movie, you can at least look at it in the sense that you've discovered the hardest things for directors to get over. Yeah. And, you know, budgeting is always... Numero uno, so mm-hmm. working that into the script and the plot is certainly a, a feat that you've accomplished. So you should give yourself props for that. I am, but I'm not. I'm not giving up yet. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, because I'm. What I'm going to do is, I think I'm going to save it till when school starts. Because like, filming like a, a day, like a Sunday or Saturday, yeah. when people are, I know they're home and they're not going to be like on vacation. It's probably the best thing to do. Yeah. Um. Just. I don't know, it's going, be, it's going to be a difficult one because I'm not taking hard classes, you know, I'm mm-hmm. taking like three potentially hard classes and then the rest are just time consuming. Well, oh, I didn't you know?
1: think the AP classes were that hard this year. No,
0: but uh, like calculus, um, oh, I've definitely. heard a yeah.
1: lot about that, but I've heard conflicting stories, so I don't even know. Yeah. Well, if I were you, I would get a calendar made right now mm-hmm. and just get on the horn with as many people as possible and fill those slots.
0: Yeah, that's what I, I should be doing, but... um. I don't know. It also sucks of work too because yeah. where I work, you you won't know. I don't get my schedule until yeah. Thursday. So like, is it bi-weekly schedules? It's a weekly schedule. Oh, mm-hmm. and I talked to my boss. I asked her um, like how how she's going to handle school and stuff, and she was like, uh, I was thinking about just making a calendar and then you know just put days you can't go. And it's it's gonna be tough, you know, because yeah. Friday nights are football games and I'll be on the field recording them. Or you know, Saturday is just gonna be like I want to enjoy, you know, high school. I can't. Yeah. So it's a toss up. Um, ideally, I wanted to get the movie done at the beginning of summer, but I you know I went on that Europe trip, mm-hmm. and yeah, that you was... came
1: back from the trip, and then it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of fall off of things. That was that was debate nationals for me. Yeah, how Because it's like your your life gets shaked up for. A really long period of time and then it's hard to get back into good habits no that you had and those plans I, what, I
0: yeah, agree because before I went to Europe I was waking up 515 going to the gym yeah I got back Same. from Europe and I was like just gassed you know? <laughs> so then exactly I mean I, I've been still pretty disciplined I've been waking up at 630 just because like yeah you know everyone wants to stay out later no one wants to go to bed like at 9 in mm-hmm. the summer but I don't know I feel like to squeeze the most out of my day, waking up then and then going to go into bed late was yep. probably the best choice. Definitely, I wake up at like eight.
1: Eight. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. late do you stay up? Um, probably hmm Last night I was up until two thirty a.m. because I had the boys over and it was game night. And, nice. Uh, yeah. What were you guys playing? Um, just like this big nerd game, like. This huge game board. Blake was there, Warren was there. What's the current chance? Um it's uh I can't remember what it's called, but Is it, it like it's like um it's like Space Conquest or whatever. Oh the the Warren game, right? Yeah, Warren's game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. did, did he try to get you to come to that? Um, not that weekend, but
0: during like, school he did. During school, yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool. I remember it didn't work out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I thought you guys were playing like Catan or something. No, I've actually never played that one, but really, I played it once, and we—I don't even think we played it by the rules, but it was—it was long.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like board games with like like Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. I think I saw him holding, like he had the box at school once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like
0: Ben, Garrett, and I. but it was—it was a good time, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd definitely play it again. Yeah, I, I'm interested in trying like Dungeons and Dragons just once. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not big into that stuff, but like. I feel like it's something you gotta try. Well,
1: I've never tried it either, but I mean, I think that we have grown up in a culture that um, sort of knocked things like that, or like there's stigmatisms around um, like games or gatherings between like friends, like that. And I think that it's important to get back to that stuff at an age where social media and uh, personal technology control so much of our lives that to have something where a group of friends can get together in person, put the phones down for a while and just have fun with something physical, I think that's important and I think that um, even though like in pop culture and media sometimes that isn't super cool, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of benefits to it and I think it's fun. I agree, Um, especially like person-to-person contacts, you know, mm -hmm.
0: I would love to do that but, you know, most people just... They want to be on their phones and that, that's like actually yeah. the moral story like the message of my movie mm-hmm. is that the whole main character just doesn't want to have everyone on their phone so they, they ask everyone to put them away and that's when the bad things happen just because like I guess the underlying message is like you can try to avoid um, change especially with technology like that but in the end if you try to escape it it won't work out because you're going to fall back and like I agree I think everyone needs to have personal connections with stuff like games and stuff. I know, mm-hmm. like I've been having so many awkward like situations just trying to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we're all on our phones nowadays.
1: We don't talk person to person normally, so. Yeah. So, were you saying that, uh, like, willpower alone isn't gonna keep you in something that you wanna accomplish? What do you mean? Like you said um, that, like you're gonna fall back into it, basically? Oh yeah, so.
0: I, I um, about a year ago, during the school year, I got off social media, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to focus. Uh, I actually made a YouTube video on this. Not a good video, but it's a video. Um, where I got off social media for a week, and... You so you know, got off social media by making a YouTube video? Listen to this. <laughs> I deleted Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I kept Reddit, even though it's social media, and I kept YouTube. Yeah. And I think that was another big mistake I had. But I got off all the main social medias and then I was just like, everyone text me, then we'll make up plans that way. No one wants to do that. you know. Everyone uses Snapchat and stuff to communicate. And I found that instead of getting on like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Snapchat, I would spend all that time I normally would spend on Reddit and YouTube. So I feel yeah. like if you got to avoid them, you should avoid them all. But you know, being a, a YouTuber, it, yeah. it's hard to get away from YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then going back to like the communication things, I think it's it's very difficult to, like you, you can have text and stuff, but it's much easier when you have a Snapchat group chat where you can just, you know, yeah. hey, we're going to Sonic, anyone wanna come? But I don't know, I think you can work it out. I, I would, this summer I wanted to ditch my phone, but you know, it, it's almost impossible Yeah. in, in today's time. and. I noticed that when I was off I was missing out on things like I missed out on the yodeling kid which like you know they it's a meme it came and went mm-hmm.
1: but then you're talking to people and they're like talking about uh, they're referencing something that you don't understand and yes then they look at you funny mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's the whole
0: falling out of it thing and I think it's just a balance you know yeah a I think of everything
1: well. in moderation mm-hmm that's that's the
0: best thing yeah. especially I, that's a very universal quote because that's in food that's in
1: mm-hmm.
0: addiction really you know yeah.
1: well and some people's moderation is more than others mm-hmm. you know you have to tune it to yourself and that requires self-discipline like everything else but you know it's it's not it's not something um, new to say you know mm-hmm. like I think everybody understands that it's just you know people are going to do what they can make themselves do, or choose not to make themselves do? D- Discipline's a hard thing to do,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Um, I noticed this, like, you kind of, if you read into things, then it, like, pushes you to do different things. Because um, I'll just go back to fitness as one of my examples. So I used to be 225 freshman year, you know, played football, mm-hmm. and I got I got pretty big, um, not big, big, like, past 225, but, like, I got relatively big. Yeah. Um, sophomore year, I started working out, and this year, I started being serious about dieting. And um, I used to, like, track all my macros. I used to do all that, look at my calories, and then, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, your goal is to burn more calories than you consume. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of just figured that, like, oh, if I just burn more calories than I consume, then I'll be fine, which, theoretically, that's true, but you got to so look what, at what you're eating. What too. calories are they, you mm-hmm. know?
1: Cause you can't just like load up on sugars and be like, hey, I'm yeah. gonna work out all this. Yeah, exactly. Cause yeah. I mean, the biological functions of your metabolism and digestion are much more complex than just calories in minus calories out, you know? Mm-hmm. So. And it's, I think the discipline
0: thing is I, I lost track of that and I was just like, hey, I'm gonna just eat whatever and work it out. And that's, that was kind of my mindset all summer. Which wasn't good, because I've, I've gained... I don't know, my weight fluctuates. Because I was like yeah. 180 um, like two nights ago,
1: and now I'm like 175. Again. I'm at 180 right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Congrats, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, I'm actually down... Um, my highest point in high school was around 230, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I am... For those, obviously, you can't see. <laughs> but if you don't know us, I am much shorter than Trevor. How tall are you? I'm about 6'5", 11. And I... Okay, um, I'm around five nine, maybe like five eight and that's a seventh or something. Like <laughs> Why'd there. you pause when um, I said that? I don't know. I guess I didn't understand. Um, like, uh, do you know. that throughout too. I'm just two confused. Well, yeah. Um, so, anyways, two thirty looks a lot worse on a shorter guy than it does on a much taller guy, <laughs> even by those few inches. But. Um, Oh, since um, the summer of sophomore year when I started like I basically just dieted a lot more then mm-hmm. and then now I've sort of gotten back into fitness I am like officially down like 50 pounds and you're you're somewhere close to that mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? um are you still intermittent fasting um, no no because it's harder in the summer I guess but I think then when school starts and I have more structure in my life it'll be much easier to do that and waking up early again mm-hmm. yeah you gonna still wake up 5 15. yeah i I'm, i plan to go to the gym even first
0: day of school yeah me too yeah. i'm i'm right with you i'm i'm actually tomorrow Tomorrow was monday by the way it is currently july 28th yeah. 2019 and i'm thinking about tomorrow starting up <laughs> <laughs> starting up, waking up early just to get back in the groove of things yeah and like my friends are not going to like that or just like people aren't going to like that but you know I think you got to like, discover we're like yourself like two first. weeks out, you
1: know? Mm-hmm. You, you can't, I mean, I understand last-minute parties, but mm-hmm. you can't expect um, yourself to just go to bed at 12 or 1 the night before school starts. I mm-hmm. mean, you're just going to hate your day.
0: That's what I, and a lot of people do that with breaks and stuff, is that they'll, you know, like last day of winter break or something, they'll stay up till like, yeah. 3 in the morning, wake up at 6, and be like, why am I tired? mm mm-hmm. hmm. I don't know. It's it's something else. I'm hearing some optimist priming going on. That's not good. Something's clicking. It stopped clicking. Anyways, um, we were talking last time we had a podcast about uh people's perception of success and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what this means. I wrote this on a sticky note and I like transferred it to this notepad. But it says, more money equals more problems. Money doesn't create happiness, and what you do with your money is essentially what, like, yeah. determines.
1: What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I think most people understand that. Um, what I would say, I think the broader point is that, um, like, money doesn't equal happiness. I think we've all heard that. But what most people haven't heard is that... Um, money doesn't necessarily equal success, which is what my main point was. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying that, like I I think that everybody understands that money doesn't equal happiness. That's a very common expression in the Western world and especially in our country. But wouldn't you say that success is happiness, right? Mm -hmm. What What is the driving force between every action that people take? Like, I understand generosity and, like, some things are completely selfless, but if we're talking about the general scheme, human biology would tell us that we are doing things that are, because it's good for us, and, like, you're going to do the thing that you have convinced yourself is the best. Mm -hmm. Typically because it'll either not lead you to sadness or, like, less than happy, or it's going to increase your happiness, right? Mm -hmm. So... I think that if you, if you believe that money is, doesn't equal happiness and yet we see media, television, movies, every time you turn on the TV, it's, you know, you're, you're faced with a celebrity who is seen as an idol, literally an icon, and for sometimes no more than just the money that they make, mm-hmm. it's like, well, we have, this, we have this contradiction in our society that money doesn't equal happiness there, But at the same time, money does equal success in a lot of terms. And therefore, I would say that if happiness is success, you can't really have something that is so self-contradicting. So what my point was is that you can look at money like success. It has to be seen as a tool for um, breeding happiness in that sense because... It, you know, it goes back to it's what you're doing with your money. So if money doesn't equal happiness, that just means that having money, like, literally sitting in front of you probably won't just make you happy, especially if you're used to it. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you're a poorer person who's living on the street and you get handed $10,000, you're going to be freaking happy. But if it's, you know, if you have a pile of money in front of you and you sit there for a while, you know, you, you live in an, in an abundance it's going to become old mm-hmm. like my aunt and uncle very rich people I've stayed at their house before first time I walked into the house my jaw dropped by the end of the week that I was living there I was bored and I was ready to leave is you know it's like my house mm-hmm. and you know you it's very easy for us to become ungrateful for things and so what I think money is well first of all I think that money is energy as ev- everything is energy mm-hmm. and I think that money itself is like based on what we have given it, it is one of the greatest forms of energy in our world. And energy, money is energy because it can do something. Money is power, money is influence, money is whatever you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Therefore, if you know that all matter is just energy reduced to a slow vibration and that everything is energy, then what the importance that we've given to money means that it itself is energy because you can do something with it. It's potential energy until you exercise it and then it's kinetic energy, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you view money like that, instead of this material thing that brings you short spurts of happiness and then you get bored with it or you spend it on something you don't need and you use money like a tool to breed other people's happiness or to invest it in something that is going to create good in the world and you, you see it like a tool, I think that's the proper use of money, especially in larger amounts. And you see that with tons of richer, affluent people like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos. People who have more money than they know what to do with give it away Mm -hmm. because they don't know what to do with it. They, like, if Bill Gates, if money was happiness and if money were success, Bill Gates would be, or I guess Jeff Bezos would be not only the most successful guy in the world, which some people would argue, based on what we view success to be, but he would also be the happiest guy in the world. Guy just got divorced, Mm -hmm. you know? I don't think he's necessarily that happy, depending on how he viewed his wife, who knows? But she initiated it, so. Hmm. So what I think we see from that, what we learn from the people who have it all, is that if you're striving for that, or even a moderate amount of wealth in your life, which most young hustlers, like in high school and college, and people that uh, are trying to improve their life, mm-hmm. I think that they need to realize that um, money is something that should be a tool for creating happiness. Happiness. You can do that by giving to others or using it to structure your life in a way that breeds you happiness. Improving your, your, you know, your living situation so that every day when you wake up, you don't see like grimy. Uh, buildings outside your window Mm -hmm. and instead you see a nice beach that would bring you happiness money didn't do that but money was a tool that you used to do that Mm -hmm. right yes so obviously that's all simple concepts and most people probably are saying to themselves well i didn't learn a lot from this podcast or at least so far but i would ask those same people is that how you think of it though Because if you're not thinking of something in those terms or in any terms, and you realize that your foundational beliefs on certain things are different than what you think is the logical answer, Mm -hmm. then that means that you need to work on it more and try to change those foundational beliefs so that when you go out and act in the world and think on things that happen to you, whether you're being actionary or reactionary, you should have foundational beliefs which are affecting your instincts and your choices whether you know it or not are things that you agree with and so all of that is sort of what i meant by uh what you wrote down there mm-hmm. i've heard that same thing i went
0: to a damon john like business conference thing. is that
1: thing i from shark tank yeah yeah it was a waste of time he wasn't even there but yeah i so some... kevin o'leary did the same thing i didn't go to it because i knew he wouldn't be there but uh I got like an ad or something for them. Mm -hmm.
0: I got excited. I was like, Damon John's going to be here. I'm going to go check it out. So me, Caleb, and Ben, we all went down there and like, he wasn't there, but we all got notepads and stuff. And I, I just like deep cleaned my house for some reason. I got really productive and I Mm -hmm. just fell into a trap and I found the notepad and I looked at it and it, it brought back a memory I forgot. And when I was sitting there and that we were, everyone was waiting for the dude to come out and start talking. Um, and this, like, money dude came up, looked at me, and said, money is energy. And I was like, what does that mean? You know, like, mm-hmm. I'd never met this guy. He looked like he was on Quaaludes. Like, he looks like he was on a <laughs> crack or something. You know, his, or he's just high on life. That could be it, too. Sometimes I feel like that. But continue. His, yeah, his eyes are, like, bugging out of his head. He's just like, money is energy. And I was like, what does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> then he just, like, went on and was like, dude, I use money as a tool. And I'm like, okay. And he said, leverage is what what your keys are. You know, like um, if you have connections, you can get more money. <laughs> Just like I don't know what kind of back deal stuff you're doing, <laughs> but whatever it is, it seems to be working.
1: Right. And it, it's interesting that he has both said that. Um, Did I explain it better than him? Yeah definitely right so I think that's an example of somebody who was told that they could get paid to speak for an hour Mm -hmm. and obviously a guy with who believes that money is energy and is acting like he's on drugs is probably gonna jump at that opportunity I think what he meant by connections was um, networking is probably the most important aspect of business because Mm -hmm. the most powerful commodity in the world is people. And I don't mean buying and selling, don't misunderstand me. What I mean is people have their own natural power and obviously the human body is the most versatile thing and the most creative thing. Like they literally have intelligence. Mm -hmm. So do you want to invest in everything yourself or do you want to outsource and have networks of people that are better than you at things and they can get the job done that's why people always talk about networking because they might not even understand it that, like, everything that they need to have done, if they know somebody, it just gets done. And then mm-hmm. they try to explain that to other people who don't have a lot of connections and then they don't understand that. Speaking of that, I could have, I mean, I networked out to like other people in my broad cl- broadcasting
0: class to see if they can help me. And a lot of them were down, but I wish I got some people that were good with like numbers and statistics mm-hmm. because scheduling would have been like way easier if I had someone else do it and I could just yeah. focus on the vision or if I just had other people like you know look at logistics on like what I'll need but you know I, I'm not I'm not Steven Spielberg I don't need not that I don't need help but like for now I think I can do it all by myself yeah. but I can see I see the importance of networking And I noticed that in debate too, is that a lot of people would recognize me like outside of debate and be like, you're that guy from debate, even Mm -hmm. though I wasn't great. I just talked to people whenever I could, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know, that I think that definitely drives people farther, you know, having the ability to reference someone, talk to someone, and then get a general idea of what other people want or what they'll do is, is great. That's why I'm networking with you.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, like so I went to uh, UMKC about four days ago and uh, for a college visit, and I'm pretty much decided that I'm going to go there. like um, I think that it's the right school for me and they have a great business school, which is what I'm going to go for and get my emphasis in entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and um, like. I think that my, when it comes to college planning, I, I'm always thinking about, um, like that sort of correlates with your, you know, thinking about your future and your life, and I think that's something that a lot of teens face today, and my opinion on that is, I think that we neglect the fact that sometimes things just work themselves out and sometimes opportunities come that you just can't see.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, there are so many kids today that are literally saying, I'm gonna go to this college to get this degree, then get this job, then make this money. And it's like, and then 40 years later, retire and die. Is that the end of your plan? You know, <laughs> I, I, really, I really don't like setting yourself up on such a, uh, an outline plan mm-hmm. That you don't look at opportunities, and in fact, I think that you push opportunities away from you um, when, when you think that it's not an opportunity, it's a distraction, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I would tell kids who are looking at college options or um, just something to do after high school or anybody that's worried about the future in any way I would say that you just need, like you have to trust in the fact that the world will not end literally no matter what happens. Say well, you, what? Until the sun explodes, but keep going. Four billion years away. I'm not too worried. All right. Um, like I would say that. Sorry, I derailed your thoughts. No, I'm no. so sorry. I, feel, I see it in your face right now. <laughs> it's okay. Um, like you just have to trust that like, I think that um, if I become poor tomorrow, I will still be alive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I know that a lot of people probably couldn't say to themselves honestly that, like, if they, if they were just, like, on the streets by whatever means necessary, you know, something terrible happens, that they would, like, be fine and that they, re- they could recover. But if you're, if you're not dead, you're alive and if you're alive you're fine. Mm-hmm. So you know, the idea that you have to be you have to play it safe so that you that the world doesn't end is really false. Sometimes you have lows in life and sometimes you have to downgrade so that you're in the right spot mm-hmm. to get a better upgrade. Right? That makes sense, yeah. Because like if you're on level 3 and then all of a sudden you go down to level 2, you think that it's really hard to get to level four now, because that's where you wanted to go from level three.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: then all of a sudden, right person walks into your life and you're up to level five. You know what I mean? Yeah. it's That goes back to
0: the networking thing in yeah. a way, is that if you know people, you could have opportunities like that mm-hmm. come up. And I agree, some people are like kind of just blinded by the light. You know, they, they have
1: right. a, yeah. one focus, they get tunnel vision, and they don't want to defer. Here's what I've heard in the past. When you are driving home at night, all you could see is the 200 feet in front of you because of your headlights. Does that mean that you just because you can't see your house, you're not going to be able to get there? No. You have to trust that as you take life on, day by day, if you look at it that way, you're going to be able to navigate things, and as things come up, you're going to be able to react to them and make your own decisions and get to where you want to go. Even when car breaks down or you know you hit a speed bump, You have to, you know, you just gotta get over that and trust in the fact that you can reach your goal. A lot of times, people can do that because they have a lot of willpower and they just, you know, they have a lot of drive for a short amount of time, Mm -hmm. but as they start to not see results, they fall off of it and they just stop driving, basically. So I think that, um, like, 80% of kids in college change their major, okay? You're probably, you're much more likely going to find something in college that, you didn't think about, you didn't realize you were gonna be drawn to or like, and then you will probably change to that. I'm not saying that you should, but like four out of five people listening to this that are about to go to college, like statistically, are going to change their major. So I'm speaking to the majority of the audience here. Don't close yourself off from things and don't choose a college that is like necessarily. Terrible and most things and really good at the thing that you want to do Because you might go there find that there's not that many opportunities other than what you wanted to do And then if you are drawn to something like you just you there's no way to go from that Mm -hmm. So I would say just you know trust in yourself trust in your ability and realize that at the end of the day It's never the end of the world and if it is you're it's still fine Mm-hmm. you're you're going to be fine no matter what some people live hard lives and they learn from them you know I agree and like
0: that way of thinking has a lot of pros and a lot of cons and the only cons I'm thinking of is something I'm kind of going through right now and that's like my ACT score isn't quite where I want it to be you know like I, I know I can get it up start thinking it is mm-hmm. that's the way I'm thinking I'm like it, this should be fine, because the college I'm looking at, the college that I think offers the most opportunities... For me, what score do you need? They don't... On their website? Uh, I don't mean... Let me look that up. Whenever I visited that college, I'm look, talking about the University of um, Texas at Austin. Um, they, they, I was talking to the admissions guy, and the guy was like, yeah, we don't, we don't look at ACT score. We factor it in. And they say that they, they look at people as a whole. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So they look at their clubs, their activities, their um, accolades. But you stuff. want a
1: higher score, right? Yeah, essentially. What do you want? Mm-hmm. Oh, what do I want? <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> what do you want? Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know.
0: I'm looking at like 28, 30 range, you know? Start oh. telling people
1: that's what you got. Really? You want to hear a story? Let's hear one. My pre-ACT was a 21. People ask me what my score was on the ACT before the free one. That was the only ACT I'd ever taken. Mm-hmm. But I'm in those intellectual circles, you know, all the try-hard kids, right? Sure. Jackson Crop, Aaron, Warren, you know, all those people. They're uh, they're like, Will, what's your ACT score? You know, mm-hmm. or what colleges are you looking at? Oh, I'm looking at UMKC. I can get all these scholarships. If I, with my 28 ACT, what do you have? I was talking to college recruiters. What do you have? 28. I didn't have a 28. I took the test, got it back. That's the exact score I got. Trevor, I'm about to share with you a secret to the nature of the universe. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. And life itself. 42. No. Although, God is 42. Yep. (laughs) I'm going to write that down. Write that down. Pin on it. And I'll explain it later. Okay. Circle it, actually. Because this is what I've wanted to talk about since the first podcast, but there's not been a really good way to get into it. But I'm about to explain something that literally gets me whatever I want in my life, and it controls everything. Oh, no. I think I know what it is. What? Is it the thinking? Yes. Yeah. Elaborate. Elaborate. Okay. What is energy as I was just talking about with money energy is everything it is always going into form out of form can never be created or destroyed and is literally what makes up the entire physical universe Okay. ask a religious person what God is always moving in a form and out of form can never be created or destroyed always was and all that there ever will be is literally the creative force of the entire universe. Energy is everything. And Mm -hmm. as we learn from modern medical technology, energy is found in our thoughts. And slightly different from what I was telling you about like changing your thinking to change, like um, like your outcomes of the day or whatever, Mm -hmm. I believe that whatever we focus on, whatever we are constantly thinking about, is going to literally happen within reality. And I say that because every single successful business person will tell you that literally they just had faith and they put all of their energy and focus into whatever it is that they were talking about or whatever it is that they wanted to accomplish. And within my own life, I have found time and time again not only from tiny, small things, but extremely big things. Whatever it is that I put energy towards, even if it's just my literal own thoughts, Mm -hmm. something completely unphysical, and things that I cannot control whatsoever, circumstances, happenstance, opportunities, things just simply happen because of it. And I cannot explain it, but then again, I also can't explain how energy works in a light bulb. I don't understand how my car runs. I'm not a mechanic. And yet I enjoy the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. So, I, what, I, what this is known as is called the new thought movement. It's not my own philosophy. Okay. People, for a very long time, ever since like the 1800s, have been thinking that our thoughts can change things. You've heard the term mind over matter, correct? Yes. Everybody has. All the time. Well, most people think of that as just willpower, getting through something, um, things like that. But I think it literally means, like it started back in the 1800s. This doctor told his patients to just say in their head and sometimes out loud, I'm getting better, I'm getting better, I'm getting better. You know, mantras, affirmations, whatever you wanna call them. And they just did that for a very long time with a placebo or like some or even no medical treatment, Mm -hmm. basically. Like there is nothing that conventional wisdom or physical, biological thinking would say, oh, that's what made them get better. That would have done that within rational terms or what you would define as rational. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And a majority of his patients got better just simply from that. Much more than the norm, especially back in the time when medical technology like was really non-existent. It was basically medical philosophy and um, like uh, you could say that they use like home-made remedies and um, medicines that you can make with the natural environment things like that. Uh, like their, their thinking was very limited to that but this guy just had that idea and had amazing results and ever since then people have been talking about um, like how the the thoughts that you're thinking will typically create more of what it is that you're thinking. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is saying to themselves that, or like you get a, get a bill in the mail and you're thinking about debt, you're worried about money, you're probably going to continue to have a scarcity crisis or you're going to have financial problems. It's going to continue for you. But even... When you get that bill, if you're thinking to myself, I'm living in abundance, there's an avalanche of money just flowing to me every single day, you know, shit like that, you know, call it bullshit, call it whatever, you know, it, it'll sound like a lie until it literally isn't. Mm-hmm. And then things will change for you and you will start to have less financial problems. I know that, you know, not a lot of people like to trust the snake oil salesman, however, I sort of just jumped into it to see what would happen. And for about the last two years, like small things to big things, whatever it is that I want, actually, whatever it is that I know I have, (laughs) wink, wink, okay, is what I have. Yeah. And you don't say, I want this, because if you say that you want something, you're going to continue to want it, meaning that you don't have it. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't have something, you just say to yourself, I have this thing or... Um, I have accomplished this, and then you do. My favorite part about that is that that actually happened to you at a debate tournament with the food thing, because we, we were sitting there. Oh, yeah. Well, that was, a jo- that was more of a joke, because I was telling Warren about it, and he was like, okay, yeah, let's see if something happens. And so I was just walking around with him, and I'm like, okay, so in my head, as I'm walking around with you, I will still talk to you. But in my head, I'm like, I am eating food right now, I'm eating like hot food, it's, it is delicious, I'm enjoying this food, it's amazing and this is great. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, sometimes you're put into an opportunity, sometimes it just falls in your hands, what, uh, by whatever means, um, sometimes you don't even know until it's already happened, you yeah. know? Depends on what it is. I'm not saying it's an exact science, but most of the time I get what it is that I was trying to, like you could say manifest or create, you know, whatever. In this case, you got your food. Yeah, and I got my food. Literally, I got
0: Bell, was like, or Bell or Cyan was like, anyone want this Chinese food? And Will's like, I'll take it. Yeah. And, it,
1: and I was sitting right next
0: to them. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, it's wild. Going back to that way of thinking, I never knew this was like a whole philosophy. Oh, yeah. Um, I was listening. Do you listen? Probably not. The Rooster Teeth podcast, a bunch of old people mm-hmm. that play video games. They have a podcast, and they just talk about dumb stuff. And that's mm-hmm. one of my inspirations for creating this uh, podcast. But in one of their podcasts, this guy named Gavin Free has this way of thinking when he gets sick. Like if he starts getting cold, he thinks that if you like fall into it or like succumb to it, and just think about, oh, I'm getting sick. Mm-hmm. You're going to get sick. Yeah, but I if, am getting sick. But, but If, if, you if say, you're thinking that, it's going to persist. Mm-hmm. Correct. Or if you say, I'm not going to get sick. It don't happen. I'm a firm
1: believer in that. I do that all the time and people say I'm crazy. Right, yeah. They will think you're crazy because that goes against everything that they've ever learned and people are always, always trying to prevent somebody from saying that they are accountable for what is going on in their life. However, when you accept this philosophy, which, you know, I'm not saying like this is the philosophy, subscribe to it, whatever. I'm just, I'm sharing my own experiences, which is what I want to highlight the most. I want to stress that. Immediately you know, I don't care what you think of it. Um, I will stay happy and I will continue to use it And if you don't that's fine. It's Mm -hmm. not my life, you know Um, uh, But like but like that, you know uh, Just to think of some examples so that I can kind of like make it clearer for you guys Um, Sometimes I'm running late to places and I think you know, it's very easy when you're stressed about time to just like continue to stay in that vibration. Mm-hmm. Um, a side note before I get, and I'm not gonna try to get too off track, but when like I when I say vibration or vibes, right? That's that's sort of what they mean. Like when when a basic chick has a sticker that says "good vibes only" on the yeah. back of her laptop, that's what that means. You ever just walk into a restaurant and you're like, oh, I don't like it in here. Mm-hmm. Not much really gave you that impression aside from. The, vibes. the the entirety of the atmosphere in that place, which you could call the vibes of that place. And so I just, I don't even call it vibe because that's not the full word. I say that I'm literally in a certain vibration, which is either a happier one or a sadder one or one that's more focused or one that's not. And so that's what I mean by, by that. And I'm just explaining that for um, as I go on. So if I'm going if I'm slipping into the vibration of stress, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just my mood, then it's going to continue. And it you have to realize that even if you don't believe that what you're thinking is going to change anything, you still have to neg- agree beyond a shadow of a doubt that you being stressed is not going to change things if that's what you believe. Mm-hmm. So it's either going to hurt you as I think it will, or it's not going to help you in any way because you're just going to be stressing needlessly, which So many doctors say stress is bad for your health, like just to say that. So when I'm running late for something, I'm starting to get stressed. I just have to, you know, be mindful of my thoughts and say, okay, I am getting there on time. I am on time. I am hitting every light and I just start to kind of build myself up, you know, just sort of drink your own Kool-Aid, just go with it, just do it and you will, Even if you are still late, you'll at least be happy. Mm -hmm. But honestly, if you really get into it, uh, you know, you're going to make the lights. People are going to get out of your way. And I, you know, I can't explain the forces that are going on. But what I do know is that I wasn't late. And that's just one example. Sometimes it's literally like um, one that I've used this past summer. I was like man, you know, I'm spending a lot of money this summer. After debate nationals, I was like, you know, really low. I need to get my financial situation under control. I just set that intention, that focus, and then all of a sudden, some, you know, something completely out of my control, I start getting so much more work hours than I normally do. I'm getting like 25, 30 hours a week. I uh-huh. normally get like 15, you mm-hmm. know? And it's just like, I had nothing to do with that, but as soon as I start thinking in this new way, things just happen for me. Boom, just like that. When it comes to fitness, most people will say, you can't make that argument. You get up, you go to the gym every day, that's why you're fit. Not because you're sitting in your room affirming to yourself that you're fitter than you actually are. Well, what is it that gets me up in the morning to go? Is it the fact that I'm just a biological meat sack that has absolutely no spirit whatsoever and I just go and I just do something and that's all that there is? Or is there some sort of willpower that gets me to wake up and go? And do those affirmations make me the person that I need to be so that I'm ready and I'm like excited to go to the gym and get fit. Mm-hmm. Like that that's how that can work sometimes. You know what I mean?
0: I yeah, I hear you I'm hearing it, dude. Yeah. Um I had a very similar thing happen, you know, because where I work, I work at Johnny's Jazz Barn Grill, the finest movie theater Restaurant you'll find, and uh, never been to a movie theater restaurant. You should go.
1: So it's probably the only one.
0: Yeah, it's well, it's not like they don't deliver food to you in the movies. It's like movie theaters here. So it's like, it's to like it. a it's like a bank in a grocery store. Yeah, it's the exactly, bank is yeah. its own entity. But it's like owned and ran by the same dude that owns the movie theater. Mm. And um, anyways, I was there, and. Uh, right next to where the movie theater is is the 152 Bridge, right? Once that went down, we had a huge loss, right? Mm-hmm. Huge loss in profits because no one was there anymore. Same with High B. Yeah. yeah. That whole side of uh, Liberty just got like you know taken down basically.
1: And it's it's a uh, we're good. Yeah. Okay. We, we, Sorry, folks. I uh, I wanted to make sure that we were recording, so I was asking Trevor something.
0: Yeah, we're, I think I hope we're recording because it's a great conversation. Um, but we had all this profit loss and then our managers came up to us one day and said, hey, we're going to have to start making cuts on hours. So for like the last three weeks, I've been working one day a week. Wow. And that, it was awful. Like I wasn't making any money. And then I was just like, you know, I'm, I need to start making money. And I started like looking at other things I can do, making podcasts, mm-hmm. making YouTube videos. And... I was, I was in this mindset that if I just keep working at it and figure out other opportunities, I'll start getting more like yeah. money. Well, turns out I get my schedule this week. I'm working every other day now.
1: So I, I don't know what happened. I think mm-hmm. it was the whole mindset thing. And I guess, Like you, you, it's not like it's necessarily you were sitting there and it doesn't have to always be, you know, sitting in, a med- in meditation, completely reaffirming out, you know, this, 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 mantras, whatever. It can just simply sometimes be you sitting down and saying, "Okay, this needs to be my new focus. I'm setting this intention for this thing to happen," and then things, even out of your control, things that are you know you wouldn't even expect, just happen for you. And that's you know I can't explain it. That's just my experience. And you know you have a very similar one to one of my examples. Mm-hmm. And I
0: think the the only the strongest counter argument I can bring up is something Warren brought up, and. Um, Like, let's transfer this whole uh, new thought movement, Mm -hmm. basically, into the medical. Like, I was talking about falling into sickness. You can... Those can just move back and forth, basically. Well, Warren's whole thing was, people had that same mindset when it came to the plague. And they're like, oh, God will save us if we just believe we Mm -hmm.
1: won't die of the plague. But they still died of the plague. Um, Well... I would Like, I'm not an expert on what people were thinking. And I don't, I mean, sometimes we don't even know what our own thoughts are, mm-hmm. right? And we don't have a lot of control over them. Um, I would say that if people are living in fear, which during the plague is probably more likely than they were having affirming belief thoughts, um, and you could add on to that that um, they would believe that they were being punished by God, it was probably um, a lot more of uh, a, a thing where... Uh, people believed that they either deserved it, like you had people running around lashing their own backs, things like that. And so if, if you're buying that argument, um, I don't think that that would necessarily, I think that that would probably, if you, if you look to uh, my philosophy about like the mindset thing, that would probably just bring the disease to you a lot quicker than um, being more affirmative than rather than negative. Okay. And if you're afraid of something, it will most likely persist because you are adding energy to it instead of away from it. Mm -hmm. Like the the belief that God will save you is um, actually a fearful thought. Save you from what, right? God's going to save me from the plague. God's going to save me from the plague. Plague, 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 plague. You're not saying Mm -hmm. God more than you're saying plague. You're saying you're adding more energy to the plague. You get the plague. Um, You want to know a global example? Let's hear it. Mother Teresa always said, don't bring me to an anti-war rally. Take me to a peace rally. Mm -hmm. The 2016 election, even though I will say right now, I supported Donald Trump, and I still do, as I would support any president, um, he he won despite what most people would think, right? Mm -hmm. But he got the majority of news coverage, even though it was negative. His name was said way more times than any other candidate. More people heard his name. And so much more energy was put towards him because it was, even though it was trying to stop him, if more energy is going to one candidate than the other, then that's what's going to happen. If more people are fearful of Trump getting elected, then more people are happy and excited for Hillary to get elected, then Trump's going to get elected. Wow. I that's how that happened. To you. that's... That's a great example Holy cow yeah and so you you know we always heard there's no such thing as bad publicity. well Trump definitely understands that and he continues that even though he's already president and he did that all throughout the campaign and obviously it paid off for him like not great for his image, not great for the country in many situations that I won't even deny but at the same time it's like if you look to if you're wanting an example of that despite, All rational thought, all polls, all people predicting elections. I mean, this completely changed the game for how we view elections and how we predict elections. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, I mean, you could argue that that happened. Like, why haven't we seen that in past elections? Well, Trump is most certainly a wild card and has most certainly been much more negative than any other candidate that we've ever had Mm -hmm. before at least in how he's been viewed, things that he said, and such. Um, Like, definitely a lot more energy went to him. And, you know, sometimes candidates win by a lot because they had more positive energy going to them. The thing is, energy is energy. It doesn't care about positive and negative because, like, even though a battery does have positive ends positivity and negativity as we view it are just names that we assign as humans it's literally an opinion mm-hmm. energy does what it wants because that's the rules of the game and that's the rules of the universe but if you call what the energy did because you wanted it to negative energy doesn't care energy doesn't have like a, a an opinion on what you think right you do and if you want to change your life if you want to hack your reality as some of those uh, like self andhem self-help improvement gurus call it, um, that you'll find on YouTube ads, then that's how you do it. It's it's like um, uh, like there's, there's so much that you can call it, so many names for this, um, but the essential argument is your thoughts, your feelings, your words and your actions are going to create the future for you, whether you like it or not. And for somebody listening to this, who wants to incorporate this into their life or wants to learn more, literally just type in new thought movement, law of attraction, manifesting, any of those things into the internet, and you're gonna find a pile of stuff to sort through. And I'm not gonna give you a path because you have your own, but um, if you just take information, which cannot hurt you, information can never hurt you, and it never hurts to expand your horizons, um, you know, you can sort through that. But for me personally, I'll tell you what I do. If there's something that I truly want to focus on a lot, then um, then I will, like, it sounds corny, but if there's something that you really want in life, change the background of your phone to something that correlates with that. Like, when I wanted more money, I just found, like, a money no, wallpaper. Yes, no, I did. did yes, I did. Oh, God. Okay. I just found a money wallpaper, put it on my phone, because what do you know? you look at that thing a hundred times a day and subconsciously, even though I'm not making conscious thoughts about money, my subconscious mind is taking those vibrations in and changing the way I think, whether or not I know it. And, um, and that's, that's sort of how you sort of, uh, you change your subconscious mind so that when you go out and make decisions that are, um, basically not necessarily up to you, like small things that you don't have to think through, mm-hmm. you're going to take the action that is going to lead you down the path of more wealth and abundance. And that is my, the base of my thinking behind uh, the, free w- the free will problem,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which we can go into later. But um, mm-hmm. if we wanted to, we can discuss God's 42. Let's hear the... Um, I think we'll have time for both but Hopefully. God is 42 might require another podcast. Just letting you know. Should, down, should we down save it? Um, we can get the base out there, just right. like the money one. We'll start and then, out, and I'll write it for the next one. Okay. Okay. So I know that this has been a lot for the listeners. Oh, it's been a lot for me. Um, but it's important that we talk about God and the way that I view God and the nature of God. Because it is super, it, it correlates to the philosophy that I just told you about so much. And um, I think it's important that I just say this. This is all the, the topic of my book that I'm writing. And it's basically just sort of a modern practical view on God, the universe, and how we can use our knowledge and our view of that to benefit our lives, essentially. So. Funny enough, last night my friend Chance Tasia, avid atheist, and I respect him for it. Um, in fact, I used to be uh, a very religious person in Christianity, as you know if you listened to the last podcast that I did. Um, however, like we we used to bicker and argue, and I would like try to say things to him, and he'd say things back to me, and so you know all that. Um, but last night at this uh, this this game that we played. And uh, hang out. Um, he brought up this, this this joke slash like stab at religion, where he said, um, "If if can God heat up a burrito so hot that not even he can eat it? Right? Mm-hmm. Because it's sort of like a the contradiction. unstoppable force versus immovable object thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, can't you, you can't have both? But in a theoretical philosophical sense." when you can, you know, create any situation, it just, you know, it's, it's a contradiction, it doesn't work. And so I believe that this is the, the worst thing that is harming Western, the Western world right now. This is the number one threat to our ability to progress. And I know that capitalism has been keeping us going for a real long time, but I think that the next frontier is sort of our spiritual mind and how we view ourselves and the, like our space, I think we're going to progress um, in that by uh, exponential amounts as we go into the future. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by this is the Western world views God and the universe as separate from ourselves. That's one of those fundamental beliefs that I was telling you about before. I believe that God is the burrito. And that you and everything else is god god is everything because god is energy and that's that's essentially what i believe god is it's not an invisible man or some sort of like uh, personality that rules and controls the universe god is everything and we are a part of god's consciousness which has literally Stopped our memory and erased our memory before our life so that we can come into a physical reality and learn about things from a perspective that doesn't know that we're God. So, okay. It's kind of like,
0: are you trying to say, like, um, in Mormonism, there's the veil of, like, ignorance, where, like, once you pass through that, the like, I don't even, I'm not a Mormon, I wouldn't know, but you pass through, like, a stage in life where you're not a part of God anymore and you're into the physical world? Is that what you're
1: Um, alluding to? I I don't know about that part of Mormonism, I'll be honest. What I'm saying is that I believe... See, we have this problem in theology. There used to be nothing that existed, and yet things exist. So we have to try to guess as to what happened. I believe that... um, the only thing that could spawn from nothing, even though you could call it the Big Bang, mm-hmm. there would have to be some sort of supernatural um, force to that. And we, when I say supernatural, I don't mean like ghosts or like something um, outside of physical reality in that sense. What I mean is like other dimensional things. Like scientists know that there are other dimensions. In fact, we have proven through quantum computers and um, multiple multiple technological uh, studies and research, that the the possibility of not only other dimensions but other universes existing is extremely real, mm-hmm. and not necessarily real because we can't prove that it's real. But the possibility of that is so high that it's it's like you can't discount it. And so my view is that if if God is everything, then that that's because the one thing that could come out from a void of nothingness, which even nothingness is something because there's a void, right? Mm-hmm. Very hard to think about, but, you know, it's very confusing. Um, like, that thing would have to be able to create things, right? And if that thing were all that existed, it would have to create, be able to create more of itself, right? Mm-hmm. So if that thing just simply exists and it can create more of itself which it would have to do because it came from nothing anyways then it would probably have to be conscious so that it could do that and not like not uh i don't know what you would say like sustain itself Mm -hmm. essentially um and i the the thing that i want to stress here is i don't know i was not there um and i i say that from my current perspective um, as a human being. And I'm not trying to say that this is how it happened. What I'm trying to say is this is my view on it and you can either accept or reject my view as all other opinions and views are out there. However, I think that if we can never know the true nature of the universe, all we can do is speculate and make a guess. Therefore, I think that guessing the one that benefits you the most Mm -hmm is the one you should choose. And so if I have a philosophy that benefits you more than the belief that a like a, one of the gods that you've heard about in religion, or even something similar, why would you choose that if it's not going to benefit you as another shot in the dark, if that's how you wanna think about it? I've had multiple experiences in my own life that continue to prove to me that, um, not saying that this is like, I I have the one true philosophy, but probably something closer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, so based on that thinking, going back to the nature of ourselves, the idea is that um, God exists, but God knows that it's God, right? And you could call it God, the universe, everything, whatever. You know, the one, I don't care. Everybody has a different name for it, and everybody thinks about it differently. Just, just understand that's what I mean by God. Um, so this thing, this it, it exists, it can create whatever it wants, but it knows that it's God. Now, if you think about an eternity of knowing that you're God and you know, staying in that sense, it might get boring after a while, and you're going to stop learning things about yourself and your true nature if you continue to act in ways which come from a place of all knowledge and all power, right? Mm -hmm. So physical reality is a special place because it's sort of like, as I view it, a sandbox where um, we, as a piece of God, and as everything else is, are sort of coming here so that we can live a life experience things and enjoy a certain amount of time in a, in, in a way that um, is going to teach us about ourselves and let us learn things in a way where we can forget for a while that we are an all-knowing, powerful being. And I know that this is so crazy and so outside of the box, but at the same time, it's extremely possible. And when you think about the fact that an eternity in heaven might become hell, because it's the same thing all the time. I don't think it's that hard to believe that if you believe in God, this could be possible. So what I'm trying to say here is, um, this is an alternative view and you might explore it further. But um, I think that it's beneficial in a way that it makes sense of the world. It benefits me incredibly to know or to believe and accept that um, that like I'm not going to be judged for necessarily things that um, one religion would disagree with and one religion would agree with and argue about right mm-hmm. you follow your own path and you have to remember that in in every movie you got to have a villain to have a hero yeah, right of course if they were all if the world was full of heroes then what would we be here for you wouldn't learn. Jack shit. And if there weren't any natural disasters, you certainly, I mean, like we would just, we might have overpopulation. If there was no starving, the world would just end. you like, you have to realize the yin yang of life. And I know it sounds hard for me to say that as a privileged white guy in uh, the middle of the United States who's never really wanted anything or faced any sort of um, real obstacle in life. But at the same time, it's like, if if you accept this worldview, you you would know or you would see it that even though things aren't great, they're perfect for being not great, and that's something that I think most Americans believe in. Mm, because you're not you're not dead; you're still alive. Yeah. Which this podcast circles back. Birth and death are the same door. You're just walking in two different directions. Okay, that's interesting. Makes sense. Yeah, that's a way. That's. Hmm. I like that way of
0: thinking. Yeah. Um, it, you come in blank and you go out developed
1: with thoughts and ideas yeah, and then sure. experiences. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to predict or state that I know how things work. Um, like as far as like what happens after death. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to think of that as. But what I am saying is that it's entirely possible. It benefits me. And um, I think that it's honestly the best theory that we have yet. And I think that um, by those standards, you you should at least explore it more. And some people think that that is crazy and outside of the box, but to put this into perspective, Trevor, have you ever had a dream that, in the dream, you believed like it was real? I'm gonna be real with
0: you? I don't remember much of my dreams. Um, you don't remember your dreams, Trevor? No. That might be a whole new psychological <laughs> problem. But, like, I, I would say I've, I've had some
1: experiences when I was younger where like vivid, real. Like vivid dreams where when you wake up, you're happy it wasn't real sometimes. Yes, or like, you're, you mm-hmm. wish it was real sometimes, right? Yes. Because you, so you remember, oh, yeah, this is my real life. That was just a dream, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes we have dreams like that, and I think a lot of listeners have had dreams like that you can kind of see one of those dreams as like what this life is. You've forgotten all of your previous memories when you're in a dream and you you believe that everything is happening even though it's just an illusion inside of your mind that it's, that it's real. Like your, your mind is literally making something real for you. Mm-hmm. Right? It's giving you the same experiences, sometimes the same feelings, that you, you would have in real life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you meet the same people. And as far as you know, everything is true inside of this dream. But then when you wake up, you realize, oh, it's just a dream. If that's true, and if you've had one of those dreams before, you can't really tell me that I'm wrong or that you couldn't possibly experience something like that in your real life, mm-hmm. right? Because that's just sort of like a, a micro version of what I'm talking about. You know what,
0: recently I think that just sparked something in me and I think I had a dream in which I did something that was so mundane and simple like I put a towel in a different place I normally do and I woke up and then I went to go get the towel and it wasn't there and I got really confused Huh? and then I I went back to where I normally put it and it was there and it was just like I I see what you're saying that that it's your brain creating something so vivid and so real that it could
1: you believe it you believe it Mm -hmm. yeah And and so in that same sense if we are a part of God's consciousness and we could do that to ourselves, then it's entirely possible that we are. And, um, like, if you realize that um, every, a movie that you haven't seen before, it already exists, the, the whole plot line, every, every piece of it, um, there's the, all, the ending already exists, mm-hmm. right? I don't know exactly how time works. I don't know if the future is set in stone. I really don't want to um, when it comes to the whole destiny thing, right? Everybody likes to believe that they're in control of their own destiny, right? Which is what you were saying earlier. Right. Well, I can't explain that further Um, in the last podcast that I did with you, you mean. (laughs) Um, But what I'm getting at here is essentially the... uh, the, the idea that we we um, are on Earth just to um, live and experience things until we die, and then, like the atheist view would say, we're just dust. I, I, can't, I It's not that I can't believe that that's possible, because it's entirely possible. However, I think that there's an incredible amount of evidence which would state contrary to that, which basically... Um, goes into the uh like the the near-death experiences which they always harp on are you know terrible piece of evidence for things but um i i would say that there are a lot of ndes that are incredibly vivid and are from people that were dead for a lot longer than they really should have been for like um this is a very like this is a weird subject but um one thing that religious types always talk about is uh, near-death experiences and how that proves that god exists and god is real um the like the the contrary argument to that would be that um like after a certain like during a certain amount of time after your death your brain still has oxygen therefore it can make whatever visions it wants to give you but um a, a lot of people will be dead for something like 23 minutes when the cutoff is like four. And that's an incredible amount of time and they will still come back. Mm -hmm. And most people report such similar occurrences and such similar things that it's hard for me to believe that I'm a body with a mind instead of a soul that's temporarily inhabiting a body. Mm If you know what i mean
0: yeah I, I see what you're saying
1: like what knows what is aware that you're thinking right now myself the body like, like what do you mean <laughs> does can your mind know that it's thinking not really it's more of a subconscious thing right like it doesn't there have to be an awareness that says okay like it has to be separate from your mind to say this thing is thinking does that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I see. I see where you're trying to do with that. Um, so, uh, I kind of got sidetracked, um, but that's essentially what um, what my book is going to be about. It's what I believe. It's what has really changed me the most, and um, uh, it's an interesting thing. You can take it or leave it. I don't really care, but that, I mean. That's just how I see the world and everybody gets to choose how they see the world but um, at at the end it's either going to be like nothing happens or you know it was something closer to what I believed, right And it goes back to the to the argument that since none of us really know and can never know for sure that you 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 should really take a shot or you know at least make a guess explore philosophies about, um, what you see the universe as and how you view the world and your life, so that you could pick one that benefits you a lot. And I think that this one does. Mm-hmm. So I agree. It
0: sounds very beneficial and it works for you. Mm-hmm. And I say if it's making you happy and it's doing the things that you want to do, you should keep doing it. And I, I might start adopting some things like um, last podcast. I, I don't know. Every time there's a podcast with you, i change a little aspect of my life. The last one, I became way more disciplined and stayed on track with stuff. And this one, I feel like changing my way of thinking. Definitely, that's something I've been meaning to do Mm -hmm. recently. It's just, like, be more positive and don't, like, you know, be negative about everything. And already, like, kind of warming up to that, and like I've done in the last couple weeks, has definitely exponentially changed my life. Yeah. You know, that's why I, I just put this idea out here to like, you know, an example is this podcast right here. It's mm-hmm. like I was talking to a couple people, and I was like, hey, you want to make a podcast? And then it happened, you know? Mm-hmm. It was facilitated by you, essentially, but, you know, it. Well, okay, because I, I actually show up to things. Yeah, not to add two other people that we invited that show up. That's okay. <laughs> So
1: when we were actually out there in the library, I noticed you were returning a couple books.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Were you reading those?
1: Yeah, I was reading um, Tony Robbins, who, by the way, extremely successful person um, and is a vehement believer in new thought law of attraction movement. He talks about all the time, like this one story where he uh, he, he used to be dirt poor and his, he had an abusive mother and he said that he would just sit around all day no matter how poor he was, he would just say, I am I am so rich, I am so wealthy, I have so much abundance, I'm so happy. And obviously that's exactly what he has now. And um, he's helping so many people too mm-hmm. with that. And it's like, you can knock whatever you want. You can believe whatever you want about the that philosophy in particular or your own philosophies or what other people say, but the rich are going to stay rich, the happy are going to stay happy. And if you reject that you have control over that then you can stay poor and sad if that's what you choose right Mm -hmm. it makes no difference to me or people who are using this to be successful so i mean that's just sort of how i viewed that but yeah i was reading tony robbins um he wrote a book his bestseller called money master the game and there's a lot of great information in there um Another one was about uh, personal finance, because I'm taking that class next year, so I was just really up on that. Yeah. senior year? Yeah.
0: Hmm. I feel like you're gonna get more out of it than what I did, because I took it over the summer.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not that important of a class for people that are competent, but um, it's, uh, I just don't like taking classes over the summer. Plus, with debate nationals, I don't, I don't right, think yeah. it would have worked, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Definitely,
0: how how'd nationals go?
1: Um, I, I mean I didn't I didn't break in anything but um, it it was fun when I wasn't competing competing was kind of a drag but really Dallas was fun it was hot but you know the pool was good and I mean I mean yeah I would say it was worth it yeah I mean it's a free trip so yeah you're, yeah. you're not wrong
0: did you want to talk about more of that free willpower or do you think you covered everything uh, we got time because we got about yeah 15 20 minutes I, I can bust it out
1: all right. So one of the greatest problems in philosophical thinking has always been, do we have free will? And it's like, well, if you're a theologian, you'd believe that God knows the future. So therefore, how can you have free will? And I'm not going to talk about that because I did in the last podcast. Um, Or you believe that there's no free will and everything is just, you know, you face the world and... Um, you know, you make your decisions. Other people make their decisions, and then what happens happens. The dice fall where they do, and um, and so that's one way of looking at things. Or you're somewhere in between. I've had a revelation recently that um, comes straight from just meditation, inspiration, and focusing on it, because that is one of the philosophical problems. Like sort like like a philosophy is a lot like math only just instead of numbers you're trying to solve things that deal with like um, like thinking problems and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, uh, like you contradictions, right? And what I realized is that to solve the problem of free will, because I want to believe, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I have a big problem believing that I don't have any control. But at the same time, there is so much psychological evidence that says that we really don't in a lot of situations. So how can I deny that evidence? And at the same time, I'm trying to believe that I have control over my life. Well, for the people who have never thought about this before, and those who really struggle with it, I have an answer for you. This is my original development. It'll be in the book, and it, to my knowledge, nobody's ever made this argument before. So, completely original from Big Bill Bendure. Okay. Um, your mind is broken up into multiple different consciousnesses. Mm -hmm. You have the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. That's what most people think of when they think of the different levels of their mind. Um, your conscious mind are things are basically that creates original thought. You're thinking through things and that is how you use law of attraction, new thought movement, things that we've been talking about. Um, Thing is, your conscious mind is constantly putting things into your subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. So many gurus, so many self-help people, which, not to knock guru, I think in the Western world we, we, we give it a bad stigma, but I mean, in India, in other Asian countries, having a guru is just like having a teacher, a mentor. We, you know, we give a lot of good, positivity, positive thinking towards the word mentor when it's really not much different from guru, right? Yeah. So, um, so many people who are into self-improvement and teaching people about that talk about rewriting your subconscious mind. It is an extremely popular topic nowadays when it comes to success secrets. And the only way to rewrite your subconscious mind is to change the way you think so much, so like habitually – that eventually your subconscious mind, your foundational beliefs, like I was talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. are different, right? Yeah. And we know that's extremely important because when you go out into the world, sometimes somebody pisses you off and you just reply with something that a second later you really wish you hadn't said. As an example, that's something where you didn't have full control over your mind. And even though you thought that, like even though most people call everything you make a decision of free will, mm-hmm. sometimes things are sponsored by a level of your of ourselves or things are more likely to be said and done by us because this is how we think and this is who we view ourselves as. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, our subconscious mind is something that is definitely impeding on how we make decisions in the world. And yes, everything that we see, do, and react to in the world are most certainly going to make a difference in how we act as well. However, our conscious mind, which by the way, only makes up 10% of our mind, maybe 5%, it's a very low number. Your subconscious mind is so much larger than your conscious mind, which is why it's so important. And that's why most people probably would say that you don't have free will Mm -hmm. because it's an uphill battle. But if you continue to fight that battle and you put thoughts out from your conscious mind that improve your way of thinking about yourself or some goal that you're trying to accomplish, it's going to change and rewrite your subconscious mind. So when you go out and take actions and do things that either do require thinking, in which case your subconscious mind is going to make certain things more prevalent to you or is going to um, change just how you're thinking in general, then those affirmative original thoughts are going to improve the way that you're thinking in the future, right? Mm -hmm and um, if, if, if things that you don't necessarily think about a lot. Like, after I've been driving for about two years now, I don't really have to do a lot of thinking when I drive. It's just very easy, right? It's automatic. Right, um, and so just like that, it's like my subconscious mind after driving for two years is very good at just driving without me like constantly focused on every little thing or worried about things. Mm-hmm. like it's very just it's just steady because I mean, it knows exactly what to do you should still be focused no yeah I'm not saying don't be focused I'm oh, saying like, you don't have to be thinking yeah. to drive mm-hmm. right you don't have to be working through the problems of driving right
0: hmm it just kind of goes on in the just it
1: just goes right and you could say the same thing when you're listening to music but doing work like your brain is hearing everything that the music is saying you're just not focused on it mm-hmm. right um and so, basically, the free world, free will problem is solved in this way. You do have free will over your thoughts, and those thoughts come from your conscious mind. Those thoughts affect your subconscious, which, whether you like it or not, in many situations is going to be much more powerful than your very small conscious mind, and therefore, you're going to act in ways which you might like or might not like and might set you up for opportunities or will hurt you, but it all stems back from your conscious mind. Now, if you've been listening, you might realize that the problem with this is that if your subconscious mind is going to be aiding your conscious mind, then how do you say that the thoughts that come from my conscious mind are going to improve my subconscious mind if it's just a circle, right? Yeah. So the thing with that, the 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 way that I respond to that is, is that the conscious mind becomes very different within meditation. And I know that this is sort of like dancing around the question, but there, you have to realize that there are alpha, beta, theta, and gamma waves that run through our brain. There are many different states that our brain is in. And then sleep is a different state. You, that you call that fifth state. Mm-hmm. So the best time to rewrite your subconscious mind is when your brain is very relaxed, your body is still, and there's very, very little things to think about. That reduces the subconscious mind, brings out your conscious mind, and makes it more powerful. You can't I, I realize that when we talk about intellectual things and intellectual conversations and try to solve these problems, it's it's like it's hard for me to make a solid argument if it's like if I have to constantly dance around and argue all these different things, but like the truth is complex sometimes. And so I'm trying to explain complexities to the listeners. So if we realize that our brain goes into different states. I would argue, and I'm like proven in this, that there are states in our brain where your subconscious mind has very little effect on your conscious mind. Mm-hmm. And you can use your conscious mind to rewrite your subconscious mind a lot easier in that way. I believe it's uh, theta mode when you are very relaxed but you're still conscious. I might be wrong on that, but just know that like there's there's five different states that your brain can be in and different, it's like literal different brain waves that are going through your, your actual energy and um, your, your mind is physically and mentally different in these states. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you understand that, then you realize that yes, when you go out into the world each day, your free will is very much different. And you don't have as much of it as most people would like. However, if you want to set yourself up for a predestination like I talked about, then work on rewriting your subconscious mind to be different yourself and affirm your abilities or affirm the goals and the things that you want to have in life so that you set yourself up to get those things.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Because if you believe and you tell your subconscious mind that you can do that, then your subconscious mind, as you go out and work and do whatever it is that you're going to do in the day, is going to have tiny domino effects that lead you toward that path. The guy that wakes up and says, I am unstoppable, I am unstoppable, I'm going to do this thing, is going to be much closer to his goals than somebody who wakes up and either doesn't care or believes against himself, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody can disagree with that. So the mindset thing, most people would say that they believe in that, especially like in high school you have a sports game. You don't want to walk onto the field sad or thinking that you're going to lose, right? So much of it is mental. Well, if you believe that, then start applying that practically in your own life. And you can do that with, even though it's a philosophy that's probably out there, one that you've never heard before, just try it. And so that's how I tackle the free will will problem. Um, Yes, out in the world, you don't have as much free will as you want, but you can change the way that you're going to use your subconscious mind by exercising free will from your conscious mind in, like not only meditative states, but as you're going to sleep, the things that you show your subconscious mind, like certain images, like I talked about with my phone background earlier, all examples, and there are many more that you can use to do that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I meant by predestination, and at the same time, having free will and also predestination, at the same time, is because the, the new thought movement, manifesting law of attraction, that can't necessarily be real if it's all, Pre-planned, mm-hmm. right? Because how am I choosing things to just sort of happen coincidentally, or like um, this sort of come into my life if I was focusing on all of those things and then they happened? So if that's the problem that I have to rework around, then it all goes back to your mind and how you use it, mm-hmm. essentially. Your
0: mind's a powerful thing. Well,
1: it is the most powerful thing, and.
0: I think that's a great note to end on. An hour and a half. Very productive. Um, if this is a too long didn't read, your mind controls the energy around you and that's how you determine your future. Yep. Do you say that's a good way to sum things up?
1: How would you wrap it up in a sentence? Um You can't wrap up what we talked about in no, a sentence. You can't. But instead I'm gonna give something much more valuable. If you want to start utilizing this in your own life, the first thing that you can do is wake up in the morning and on a sticky note or some piece of paper, say today's expectations. And then write out different things that you expect yourself to do and you expect the world to do for you. And oftentimes, even things that are out of my control, they just happen for me. It's one that I've recently started using and it's one that I recommend to people. Uh, on top of that, meditate more, affirm yourself, believe in yourself, which is a super huge cliche, but cliches are just things that are true, that we joke about. And um, uh, aside from that, uh, go out and make radical action and accomplish your goals. That That's all there is to it. So uh, like the Nike logo or slogan, just do it. Just do it and do it fully because if you believe that it'll happen then just rushing forward the path is going to be building itself as you're running basically
0: i like that well thank you mr Binder. that was a terrible handshake but you know you know, know. it gets the job done well appreciate this i appreciate you guys listening to trev talks episode three great conversation a lot to take in um I'm still processing with this what you just told me but you know hope you guys enjoyed and uh, I'll see you guys next episode